Our whole universe was in a hot, dense state that nearly 14 million years ago expansion started. Wait, the Earth began to cool, the autotrophs began to drool, Neanderthals developed tools, we built a wall. We built the pyramids, math, science, history, unraveling the mystery that all started with a big bang. Since the dawn of man is really not that long as every galaxy was formed in less time than it takes to sing this song. A fraction of a second and the elements were made. The bipeds stood up straight, the dinosaurs all met their fate. They tried to leap, but they were late and they all died. They closed their eyes and the oceans and Pangea. See a wooden bar of Pia set in motion by the same Big Bang. It all started with the Big Bang. It's expanding ever but one day. to the science of fiction I've made it here I had to dive down studio steps to get in but I think I'm here on time you, you, you basically got on a skateboard and slid down the staircase you know or you know, railed down the banister or something I, I reckon I went relativistic down the A428 here <laughs> it was kind of a cross between Back to the Future and um, that bit in Scott Pilgrim with the skateboard oh when he's fighting uh, I've forgotten his name the second the second one yeah yep. forces him to go too fast oh I still haven't seen Scott Pilgrim I'm missing out here you should, you, should, you should see it, and you should also read it. All, all I know is it's a cross between a comic book and someone who does boss fights for over ex-boyfriends. Yep, and people who really like indie music. Uh, well, that, that makes it cool. So, today we're talking about the four fundamental forces. Which are, for those um, who, like me, were not really familiar with this before they went and thought, hey, what are these forces? Um, the obvious ones, namely uh, gravity and electromagnetism, which apparently is one, one and the same. So, uh, yeah, that was... Uh, Maxwell combined electro, the electric forces and the magnetic forces into one force, which was helpful because it means there's now four, not five. Excellent. And the remaining two, I, I, I believe you're a physicist. Hi. Yeah, yeah, I'm a physicist. Hello, I'm Michael. Yeah, this um, is Michael. Uh, well, you may may have heard him in the last show, I think. A, a, familiar, a familiar voice for the past hour. But um, yes, there is the uh, strong and the weak nuclear forces, which, which bind the universe, uh, bind the universe together, and occasionally make it some of it fly apart at very great speeds. I think they're. Or just stupidly name, named. It's not like the weak force is the weakest of the four. Is, no, it, but is it not? That's quite disappointing. Gravity's weaker than the weak force. Uh, uh, it, the problem is you've got to give it its full name. It's like the weak nuclear force. Uh, so it's weaker than the strong I, nuclear I force. I actually thought it's the weak interaction. Hmm. Yeah, the Wikipedia suggests that interaction is the preferred term rather than force yeah. now. Though I don't place that much trust in it. But so, also, it doesn't go very far. 
It like goes 0.1 of the width of a proton or something ridiculously useless. Yeah, that, that then dives off, which is useful because otherwise it'll start getting in the way of like universe existing. Hmm. Yeah, but um, it's kind of weird because gravity goes a long, long way in comparison. But does relatively little except on extremely large objects. Yeah, you need a lot. You need something the size of the sun, let's say, or the Earth. The Earth is quite good. I haven't sort of flown off it yet by mistake. Yeah, the uh, ha- haven't flown into space rather than into Scotland, for example. Uh, this still linking back to the previous show about Scotland being further away than space. Yeah, Ooh, which is true. And, uh, is it, is it Not for the Scottish. <laughs> Hi, Scots listeners. We're further away than space. Yes, that's true. But, but um, yeah, so the, the, one way of like comparing the size of like forces is take a fridge magnet, because bits of the, that's being pulled down by gravity, and it's got an entire Earth pulling it down. And yet, the very small magnet on its back sticks it to the fridge. Yeah. And also, all, all the strong forces keep it together, and it doesn't break apart under the gravity either. So, so to clarify, the strong force holds, like, simpl- oversimplifying, the strong force holds the nucleus together, and the weak force is involved in decay? Yep. Okay. So, yeah, the strong force doesn't just hold nuclei together, it holds the subatomic as well, so it holds the quarks. And this makes it really... One thing that's really, really cool about it, at least I think it's cool, is instead of, like, plus and minus, like, the electric... It's like charge and electromagnetism. You have three charges that are given different colours. So they're called what? colours. Yeah, so instead of having plus, minus... You, you have, have an red, green and blue force. Yeah, because that's what, when the people are trying to work away thinking about it, that's what sort of works for them. I, I, it makes a lot more sense to me because we're quite used to colours. Yeah, and I guess, I guess it, it, it lends itself to sort of e- easy, well, relatively easy depiction. Yeah, but, but you're used to colours, but you're not used to anti-colours, surely, because anti-colours exist as well. Yeah, I mean, that that is slightly weird. You could say that's like bad colours which clash. Or, you know, RGB versus CMYK or something. Yeah, I think you might need to explain it to people who haven't been obsessed with printing since a young age. Sorry. Uh, red, green, and blue are the three colours used on computer screens, but when you're printing, you use uh, you use cyan, magenta, and yellow, and you also use black, which you could theoretically get by combining the previous three, but black ink looks better. Yeah, that's just because all black, all black inks are made from black things, not from the other three, because otherwise they look crap. Yep. So there we go. And for some yeah, for some reason, um, black is called K. And yeah. yeah. Well, well, that's because blue's called B. Good point. Well made. It, that that is quite simple. I see. I even I know that. Um, yeah. I, of course, I felt we have to include some other forces. Um, of course, there, there's the light force and the dark force. Well, more it's one force of the light side and the dark side. Would you say that the, the, the force um, and the light side and the dark side are actually basically a force and an anti-force? Uh, it, it's it's more how you use them, I think. But we know it permeates all living things. But so. I, I like I like to think that the force is like a combination of all the others just bung together and in, in, into one as people are trying to. To do with physics these days because because they say that the force holds the universe together and all and strong the strong force gravity and electromagnetism can all be described in that way yeah but there's a type of little slug in the um, Star Wars universe if you haven't worked out what we're talking about which repels the force so that would just explode spontaneously if it repelled all the forces hmm. if it's not in the films I don't believe it come on though the books are definitely better than half the films we never talk about Star Wars in the show we, we ne- it's, it's never happened. It's never happened. No, I, 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 is it a good thing or a bad thing that I, I suffered from dyslexia quite badly as a kid? So my solution was to be force-fed books by parents. So I've read a huge number of Star Wars books because it was the only thing my library had. So you're force-fed books about the force. Yes. Ooh. That isn't even a pun. That's just 
using the same word twice in a sentence. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so d- uh, tele- I'll try and work that. Is telekinetics? It, it, is that an ability to use other forces, or is that ju- is it, if it's sight, like in the force, is that just a make believe one as well? Well, yeah. I guess I guess there's um, like telekinetics, which involve you to sort of pick, pick things up at a distance, which might be some kind of mastery of gravity or something. But then there's also um, Kind of size skills of you know tweaking someone's th- thoughts, and I don't think I don't I haven't come across anything which has uh, explained how people's psionic powers work. So, listeners, if you know of some um, excellent works of fiction where they try and give some kind of rational explanation for how some I, I, hero or villain can tweak someone's brain, there's actually an emeritus professor at the University of Cambridge who has something to say about telepathy, um, and he actually believes it's down to quantum mechanics. This is Brian Josephson. Uh, actually, has the Nobel Prize for the Josephson effect, which is the tunneling of Cooper pairs. Uh, for people who don't know, Cooper pairs are what makes superconductivity happen. It's when two electrons, for really strange reasons, decide to go around holding hands. And he predicted that yeah. these could tunnel rather than just single electrons. And this is useful for making squids, apparently, which I don't believe are anything to do with the animal. That's a shame. Perhaps you're not. But they're for measuring very small magnetic fields. And now we're back on topic because we've got magnetism into it again. Yes. Perfect. But Brian Josephson is um, interesting. I, I'm not sure I'm allowed to be rude about one of our own professors. Uh, anyway, he um, he dis- wrote for some stamps the Royal Mail were giving out. They wanted someone to write a description about them celebrating science, and he wrote that quantum mechanics would explain telepathy because he believes in telepathy. He also believes in homeopathy. He believes in loads of stuff, and he went off into the random parts of the world and meditated for a long time. And quite, We have quite different views on the world, but he did, as I say, he got the Nobel Prize very young. So... It was for his work done during his PhD, wasn't it? Well, I know it was young. I couldn't tell you if it was PhD. Uh, well, it was work that he started during his PhD. That's certainly not unprecedented because obviously um, the whole Watson and Crick thing. I suppose there's an argument that once you've won a Nobel Prize, you have to you have to go quite off the beaten track to you know try and get an even bigger name for yourself. Well, Watson's managed to become incredibly racist and sexist. Mm, great. That that's Did his solution. Some of them have been good. You know, people like. <laughs> I'm going to try and remember. I think Sanger's won two Nobel Prizes, one for DNA sequencing and one for something else. Okay. So there are, there, it's amazing how many Nobel Prizes have been won by... Someone who's already won. got one. Yeah. Uh, okay. So if you keep at it, apparently the skills that make you win a Nobel Prize make you win again. Perfect. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll bear that in mind next time I'm trying to uh, win a Nobel Prize. I, I, pretty, I, I like the guy who's won a Nobel Prize and an Ig Nobel Prize. That is brilliant. Is but it, was it for the same work? No, it was Levitating oh, Frogs, wasn't it? Levitating Frogs Lev- using magnetism, yep. linking back to the theme again. <laughs> well, so, so what, he, he fed the frogs iron filings? Nope. No, this is really cool. So what people don't know... Actually, no, we're going to play a song and we'll come back to this because it's actually really interesting. And so this song is all about gravity, I understand. Sorry. 
FM.co.uk On air and online Your Cam FM Right, so that was the Dresden Dolls with Gravity and I forgot to say what the first track was which was uh, I think it's a history of everything it's the Big Bang Theory by the Bare Naked Ladies but it has a few extra verses that they don't put on the show Yeah, I'd never, I'd never heard the full version before I, I, I just assumed it was about 30 seconds long it, It's only Well, it's only a minute and a half long in full length Okay, fair point. So um, it's not great, but yeah, gravity. We'll come back to our our story on levitating frogs because I I think we'll have to keep that in the electromagnetism section, and it's awesome, and we want to make you listen. 
Um, right, so if you want to send in anything about your knowledge of flying frogs, telepathy, or Brian Joseph, do it to studio at camfm.co.uk or you can text to 8089. Um, sorry, that's 80809, otherwise, you're not going to get the right number, are you? Text and text. Oh, I'm not getting there. Okay. <laughs> you, there's a sign here with big letters test. Uh, text cost 10p I'm not going to forget it because I don't know what the number is about reading um, and yes also if you go to the web form and you're listening online which I think quite a lot of you are uh, just type something in there type in anything to be honest we, we're ready to hear just don't type in Morse code I can't read in Morse code um, so gravity gravity's I think quite an important force as things go it's, I think it tends to be more implicit than not in uh, a, a, lot, a lot of fiction. Although you have like quite a, re- a recurring theme in first-person shooters of having some kind of gravity gun to let you pick up objects at a distance and fling them around. That doesn't seem like the kind of thing which is going to be viable anytime soon to me as a uh, layperson. Uh, w- one thing that you do get is um, people talking about space elevators. Um, I mean, Hein... Heinlein? Heinlein? Who came I, up with the Heinlein? Uh, uh, wasn't it Arthur C. Clarke? Who I invented, invented, Arthur invented yeah, sorry, space yes. elevator? Arthur C. Clarke invented everything. He did geostationary satellites too, apparently. And then, you, and, th- and then you use the space elevator to, to get to your geostationary satellite. Yep, but his geostationary satellites had to be manned for some reason. Um, I guess it's just, you know, insufficiently prescient to realise how, how automated things could be. Yeah, but he's prescient enough to come up with a geostationary satellite. That's what I find with. Anyway, yes, so... Um, Yes, space elevators. Elevators that allow you to go right up to orbit, so you don't have to use space shuttle. So how's that? How's that going to help on the gravity gun front? Uh, not on the gravity gun, but um, it, you basically you use the gravity of all the all the rocks that you're mining, uh, all the asteroids that you're mining, moon bits that you're mining to come down the space elevator to power basically going up on the space elevator. Oh, really? So you basically feed the moon down the elevator, and then it flings you up. Sees all, sees all, you sees could just up. counterweight it, surely, and then you got zero mass. Hmm. You, you, or you have, have one on each side of the world. That's, no, oh, that's, no, that's no. not going to work. No, so right, normal lifts have counterweights. Hmm. So when your lift goes up, or equal mass goes down. So the thing, motor doesn't burn out trying to carry things up and down. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you uh, just use moon rock or asteroid rock. Yeah. Neat. See, I, I, I was trying to think of movies which massively involve gravity, and I thought Mega Shark vs. Giant Octopus was a great example. Uh, uh, is this a film that was on major release? I, mean, I don't think I saw it on any Odeon billboards. Y- you can certainly get it in, I think there's been sequels, Mega Shark vs. Giant Squid or something. Um, yeah, so it's been on TV quite a bit recently, and it's sort of appeared in sort of HMV bargain bins quite a bit. As you say, it's not not high run, but in it, there's a scene where the mega shark, and let's just let's just explain this, because I've, I've got a scientific diagram of shark. So a great white is 6 metres long, a megalodon is 16 metres long, mega shark is 40 metres long. That's a large shark. That is a big shark. You can get a lot of fish, a lot of food out of that. Can... can you, do you eat shark? Yeah, yeah. In Australia, it's called flake, and there's a particular kind of shark which is uh, served up in fish and chip shops. See, I thought you just ate the fins in soup. No, 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 no. no. O- uh, only in Japan. Only in Japan. Okay, so um, yes. So in the movie, the shark, for some unknown reason, decides to eat an aeroplane. <laughs> no, no. But not only does it do this, it decides to eat an aeroplane at two thousand meters, so two kilometers above sea level. So to do this, uh, this guy on the internet has uh, really successfully sat down and worked out what the shark would have to do to reach it. So it's just 
speed converted into height, which is quite an easy equation because you do half mv squared, so half times the mass times by velocity squared will give you the mass. And then if you work back for and say mgh, which is mass times gravity constant times height, you can sort of work that all through and end up with how fast it has to leave the surface of the water out to hit the plane, assuming he can't swim through air. Which and presumably assuming no air resistance. Yes. In st- standard physics, simplifying assumptions. Yes, and um, a spherical shark probably. Yeah. Anyway, the shark needs. I can't believe I got a laugh for that joke. I bet some of the listeners were just going, "What the hell is he on about spherical sharks?" Everyone knows sharks are shark shaped. Anyway, um, so this guy realised the shark would have to leave the surface of the water at 709 kilometres per hour to um, hit the airplane. That's not far off the speed of sound, I think. Hmm. So that's one far shot. But that, 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 yeah. What, what's interesting is. For using his shark knowledge, the person's also realised that means the shark would have to use one and a half kilometre of run-up from under the water to, for Mega Shark to be able to make that velocity. Which means as he came up, all the fish and submarines and everything would sort of get swept up with him and fly out the water. So it was actually been far more dramatic than the movie made out. So, oh. the, so the movie only showed the, sh- uh, the shark breaking the water surface and leaping into the sky. Yeah. But did not show the carnage beneath the waves and he's also nicely handed a, a guy to other fast stuff as he puts it that mega shark would have to be going at 700 not point kilometers per hour which is faster than that same bullet train at 443 kilometers per hour but slower than atomic hole missile that does 880 kilometers per hour Hmm. I guess, but I guess it has to do that speed for similar reasons. It's aiming, it's aiming, it's aiming at you know things and things in the distance. Oh, I suppose it's powered though, isn't it? I suspect yeah, yeah. a Tomahawk missile is sitting just below the speed of sound for aerodynamic reasons. Hmm, okay, because otherwise you have to. It's quite hard to cross the speed of sound without putting a bit more effort into it. I guess my mis- my missile design skills are uh, missing. You have you? I mean, this is this is a bit sidetracking, but uh, you know, uh, it was the Bell X one with Chuck Yeager. No. It was one of the Bell X's that first break the speed of sound, and Chuck Yeager was the first person to successfully do it. And what happens is, when you break the speed of sound, uh, due to the way the wind, stop, the air stops flowing over wings, actually what happens is your flight controls reverse because the wing, the flaps and ailerons stop working the way you expect. Huh. So you actually have to start doing the opposite control, and that's how he cracked it. And it's now all sorted by designing your wings correctly, but using subsonic wings at supersonic, you get very weird effects. Mm-hmm. Well, it's basically, because. Air is meant to sort of follow over the surface of your your control surface round, and what happens is it's going so fast that it breaks away on the wing, and then when your control surface goes up, which would in past have meant the air was being deflected and pushing the back of the wing down, what happens is you actually change the shape of the wing because the air can't follow it anymore, and it comes to give lift, and it brings the back of the wing up. Ah. I think you lost me there. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 look, I'll look for a diagram as detailed as this Mega Shark one later. Yes, they must be. Anyway, what happened was Chuck Yeager works out from people going, ooh, my controls have gone the wrong way, splat, shortly before him. So he he did listen to people who had gone splat before him to work out at it. Hmm, that must be quite uh, demoralizing work. What, being a test pilot and dying? Or listening to others. Yeah, I. it's not something we do so much. We all moved on from the world and people doing mad things. That's presumably why people got so shocked when the shuttle recently failed, that people weren't used to test pilots dying. Because hmm. shuttle pilots are test pilots, really. Right. right. It's, it's not not like... I mean, space, space travel is un- or space flight is understood but not exactly exhaustively tested. Well, the number of flights the shuttle have done are a few hundred. It's probably fewer than many people have flown. So. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, we got sidetracked off gravity, but space like that's that's the big fight against the big G. Hmm. I guess that's, that's pretty much the 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 only problem 
in, in, of getting into space. Once you're in space, I suppose it's less of, less of an issue. Yeah, as pointed out, space is actually really close. It's just it's all uphill. Right. But yeah, so, 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 so like how, I guess you ha- you have to get some distance away from the Earth and after and then and just stay stay clear of any other large celestial bodies and then gravity is no longer your biggest concern while flying around. Well, them. it can help you get faster as well. Uh, if you slingshot around things. Yeah, because that's what Voyager did to get all around the solar system, was get slingshotting. The, the, it's, it's actually quite interesting if you look at all of these different probes that they send to other planets. They actually, some of them will like slingshot several times, sometimes around the same planet several times at different stages in its orbit, wow. just to get enough speed to get to the outer planets. Well, it's not so much getting r- r- enough speed as in getting enough speed without using lots of fuel. And conserving fuel for when there are convenient planets. Well, it, well, also, any fuel you take with you, you have to get into orbit. Yeah, so, like, one of the things is, when you're trying to work out how much fuel you need for your space shuttle to get into orbit, you have to work out how fast you're burning it. Because it, um, you obviously you, need le- you don't need to take everything up with you. Right. This is, uh, this is actually part of the uh, 1A physics course here. You actually have uh, integration integral in- equations to work out how much mass you'd have to be taking to send the rest of your rocket ship into, into orbit. Have you seen the video of the lunar lander taking off the moon? No. Nope. You, if you haven't, you should go and see it. It's a beautiful bit of video. Um, and basically, the rocket to get off the moon, because there's such low gravity, it's just a little fart. Hmm. When we should compare it to the Saturn V, which launched, because it had to get all that stuff into space it didn't you know a lot more than actually had to come off the moon it was a massive massive rocket right and basically enormous fireball below a rocket pushing into space yes and then once you're up there you're fine yep and even the moon wasn't too bad right and that's why people bounced around on the moon as well there's um well, well, well yeah well on gravity i remember i remember coming across a um a tale of um a, a physics lecturer being surprised that most most undergrads couldn't understand the question of why people didn't float off the moon. Uh, so he said them in the, uh, a lot of people didn't say it's because it has gravity. They said it because they were wearing heavy boots. So on one of, on one of his you know end of first year exams, he said a multiple choice question of you know uh, why did the astronauts not fall off the moon? Was it because um, there's in, the moon has gravity? Was it because they were wearing heavy boots or you know two other ludicrous answers? Um, and sure enough, only about half the students correctly said because the moon has gravity. And several people complained afterwards that the exam contained a question which they hadn't been taught. That which seems uh, an unfortunate state of affairs for physics undergrads. Well, sorry, physics undergrads. Yeah, I'm sure you can all answer that correctly. We hope so. So um, as we're going to finish track, email us in if you know how um, birds can sit on electric power cables to not get fried. It's not because they wear welly boots.
City. Your station, your Cam FM. Welcome back to Science of Fiction. That was Magna, as in Magnet with the T cut off by Three Trap Tigers. Are you just trying to convince us that it was about magnets? Well, it's um, the it's named because the frontman, in as much as an instrumental band can have a frontman, um, of Three Trap Tigers has the nickname Magnet, apparently. I'm not sure why they dropped the T. You know, I guess it's just not, just a thing people do. Like, hey, let's have an unpronounceable name. But, you know. So, magnetism. So you, we can move on to our levitating frog now. So, so how, how does this work? Does this involve, you know, uh, covering the frog in some kind of paint? Or what, was, what actually happens? So, let's first we still have to cover the fact that there's three types of magnetism. So there's ferromagnetism, which is your magnets you used to play with. Okay. Then there's paramagnetism, which is weaker. And that's what things with unpaired electrons have. And this is something which you won't necessarily come across. But oxygen has two unpaired electrons. And that means if you get liquid oxygen, which is a nice blue colour, and pour it past a really big magnet, it will be attracted towards the magnetic field. Okay. There is, of course, a problem with demonstration, which is why it's done very often, is if you start pouring liquid oxygen around the place, it starts setting things on fire. Right, presumably, yeah. Oxygen's quite good at assisting combustion, I've heard. Yeah, it's... Brilliant. Um, put a custard cream in liquid oxygen, you get brilliant flames. In, in the uh, lecture that we did, that, where this was um, shown in chemistry, in a, in chemistry lecture, um, it was Rice Krispies that were set on fire later. Well, uh, we'll just have to go home and distill some using liquid nitrogen to make it. So, you, so you, you covered, you, you rather than using milk in your Rice Krispies, you used liquid oxygen, and then you uh, set it on fire. And I, I wouldn't suggest eating it. Don't try this at home, kids. Don't it will blow it. your face off, literally. So, and the third type of magnetism it's is... diamagnetism, and this is where you have paired electrons, which is most things like to have electrons nicely paired. And this... Uh, so unlike paramagnetism, which, like, it wants to get all friendly and do the thing with the magnetic field, this wants to run away as fast as possible. And this means that if you have a really, really strong magnet and you put it underneath a frog, you can make your frog levitate. So, so literally just put a huge magnet under a frog, the... Um, the, the water in the frog uh, repels the magnet, and then the frog flies. And presumably the frog's not very happy about this. Someone's just said in, by Wovers. Presumably that's the chemistry lecture. Yeah, yeah, Pete Wovers. Yeah, by Pete Wovers. Okay, that's a very much an internal, which chemistry lecturer was it in the Cam- University of Cambridge question? So, yes, going back to it, what's in the frog? So, yeah, water, I th- we were just discussing this before uh, the track finished. Any, pretty much most things in the frog will be repelling. We've got a suspicion that water's particularly good for having a strong diamagnetic repulsive effect. Presumably the frog doesn't really enjoy it floating. It, it could well have been dead, actually, by that time, because it was probably over a superconductive condu- magnet or a very least chilled magnetic material, so it was probably frozen. Hmm. Okay. Also, to stop it hopping off, maybe. Yeah, I mean... I guess, you know, live frogs... Yeah, it's probably probably for the best, actually, all things considered. Yeah, I mean, it's not hard to find a dead frog. Well, yeah, I, th- I think it was some, some ridiculous number of Tesla they had to have the magnet up at. Um, one Tesla, um, for those who aren't used to the units, is basically a ridiculously big magnetic field. <laughs> Ten- technical term, that. And yeah, so it's levitated on 10 Tesla. So how big is the magnetic field of the um, Earth? Oh, I can't remember this one, but it's a micro-Tesla, isn't it? It's probably something very small. Magnetic field <laughs> of Earth. I'm we amused. don't use Google ever. Someone, um, someone on YouTube reckons the frog would say, Feels good, man! <laughs> Which I'm not strictly sure is true, I, I, but I'm sure we can pass on that. I, I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's, ooh, it varies depending where you are on the Earth. Oh, yes, but It's one gal, so that's really helpful, because that's the unit... Um, <laughs> I don't know. What, uh, I, I, oh no! So yeah, hundred thousand nano Teslas. Uh, yeah, 
Okay. Well, so that's 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 a hundred um, micro Teslas. So it's out by a factor of a hundred. That's not that's not bad for just. Well, apart from your physicist here, who's meant to be giving us this information, I just use Wikipedia. So, given that the Earth is has this this weaker field, how does Magneto, everyone's favourite uh, comic book villain, um, manage to have such a huge effect with his? Um, well, he wouldn't want me to have a strong field because every time he used his powers, he would knock the Earth out of orbit. Because oh. he, he's using, he can just levitate like cars and stuff, and himself. And him, does he look? Does he? But does he do that using the metal around him? Is he causing a magnetic field to generate in the stuff and he pushes it's off? It's not clear because in, uh, in I, I, only, I haven't seen many of the comic books, but in the film he makes himself a little ma- magnetic platform that he floats across on. Oh, so he, he levitates the platform and happens to be standing on the platform. Yeah, that breaks that doesn't some laws of yeah, science. Cause it, well, because yeah, if, if it was just him pulling the platform up, then the platform would be pulling him down equally. This is, this is the way, if you stand on the back of a boat and blow on the um, sails, it doesn't move along. Oh, yeah, and, it, and it's also why when you're trying to step off said boat, so uh, you you end up falling in the water yeah. as the boat moves further this, away from the uh, shore. This is why running along a punt to jump to the shore only makes a boat go backwards. So I think so we can conclude based on the evidence of the film that he that Magneto actually also has some kind of command over gra- over gravity. Um, oh. So is, is there any kind of I, mean, I just understand that that um, the, all the forces apart from. Uh, Gravity are linked, theoretically? Um, all the forces but gravity can work with relativity, I think. Uh, okay. Uh, they, they do also reckon that if you kind of map them back to the very early universe, they, you, they can be treated as one force. I thought it was only true of Electro-Weak. I don't think I there's a strong can. I think that relatively recently they have got strong into that mm. as well. Shall I check I Wikipedia be, again? <laughs> I may be mistaken. This, Ooh, this is me got an email in. Is, is this someone telling us the answer? Uh, does Magneto wear... Some metallic suit. I remember him wearing a helmet in the film. I don't quite know why. Okay, so this is sort of a bit geeky. Um, that's me, not you. Don't worry. So Magneto wears a helmet to block out Professor X's telepathic ability. So uh, there we uh, go. What force does telepathy of Professor X use? Clearly, you can block it out with a helmet. So, so not gravity then. Not gravity. <laughs> and not uh, weak because it wouldn't get far enough or strong. So it's, yeah. it must be electromagnetism. But yeah, so Magneto. I doesn't. Don't think he. D- does wear a magnetic suit. I mean, I guess, I guess, like Magneto wearing a metallic suit would not have um, that, that much more or less impact than him standing on a metal platform. But it would make sense for anyone trying to fight Magneto to use exclusively, you know, carbon fiber uh, armor rather than metal armor, which which, which they presumably do. You'd want um, super um, superconductors because some types of superconductors expel magnetic fields. So if you surrounded yourself with that superconductor, Magneto would no longer be able to affect you. Oh. There's a, there's a few things though which are horrendously wrong with the X Men. <laughs> Only uh, do you remember? Is it the beginning of the second movie? He's in a plastic prison. Yes. And then he pulls the iron out of the person's blood. Yeah. Um, am, am I correct in thinking? And I'm pretty sure I am that iron in blood is not magnetic because it is not iron as in the solid. It's the iron in a plus three or whatever state it is in hemoglobin. Uh-huh. The iron is injected into the blood earlier. Yes, but if it was lumps of iron. That, that, that's going to cause cardiac arrest. I'm fairly sure. I, so, so wait. He has an accomplice who injects a guard with iron. Yes. Yes. A pretty couldn't, girl. Couldn't. Surely there must be a more direct route to escape this plastic prison. Well, the guard was allowed. Was meant to go and give Magneto his food, so it was a way of getting metal in. And the Magneto makes a metal ball out of it and smashes everything up. Ah. Because he's like that. <laughs> well, he, he he likes destruction. Apparently. Well, I think he likes getting out of prisons. To be fair, I think most people do. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to say, whenever I go in prison, I like to be out there as quickly as possible. 
Although the, 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 there, are, there are prisons which have been converted into hotels, which has always seemed like a slightly strange uh, proposition to me. Isn't the Oxford prison now like a complete place you go and have meals, dinner, and loads of fancy swank nightclubs? Yeah, it's a really pl- it was a really really plush hotel, in fact. Yeah, uh, but, so but but the the corridors look exactly like a prison, so it's kind of. Yeah, strange atmosphere. Strange. So, you're paying a lot of money to stay in a prison. Interesting. So, there we go. Magneto is a cheat. Yep. And we still don't know what the helmet does, but we know it stops telepathy. Well, so, so yeah, we, we've narrowed that down. So, this is a, an advancement of science this show has provided. Yeah. Yes. I, I, I should point out with my earlier comment that having an entirely superconducting suit um, made of the appropriate type of superconductor would protect you from his magnet, magnetic powers directly. It wouldn't, however, protect you from his magnetic powers making a little ball of iron shoot for you. But equally, it wouldn't protect you against someone shooting you with a gun. No. It also would rely on you being Mr. Freeze to cope with temperatures. Yes. That's so that that this is the new superhero fight we'd all like to see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah Marvel pl- plot idea super, right super, here. Super villain. Mr. Freeze is DC. Oh Because he's Batman, isn't he? Have I just I've just misspoken? No. It's one of those weird things. It's DC people generally people can't remember DC because like Batman, Superman, all those things. All the movies where all the Marvel movies have big letters Marvel at the beginning of them, just so you don't forget. Hmm. Whereas DC, DC are more understated. I guess the the letters are also fewer. DC are also meant to be terrible for plot holes. Hmm. Which is why they had to make up like this entire book series about that being multiple Earths to cover all the plot holes. I don't know why we just didn't continue making they, they, plot they, holes. They've blown that up about three times since. Have they? That that and most of this I learned from watching the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I don't actually. I've I've never read like a mainstream comic book. I've read like um, Neil Gaiman's War. Sandman. Sandman. That's it. Yeah, because I got told you must read this. Well, it was good. I've read I've read the one which was illustrated by Yoshitaka Amano, who did the character art for the Final Fantasy series, and it was quite good. So yeah, we're, we're obscure comic book readers. I think that's one of only three I've ever read. So there you go. So should we go on with the track? Shall we? I'm trying to remember which CD deck it is. That's why I'm stalling for time. CD deck one. Should we go to deck one? Yeah, let's yeah, go for deck one. Yeah, it's it's, it's a random track day now.
97.2 camfm.co.uk on air and online your camfm Hello and welcome back to the Science of Fiction. That was uh, Imogen Heap p- p- uh, playing, performing. Maybe she was performing at one point. Canvas. Do you play or perform a CD? I don't know. Um, we play it. We, we, we play it, and she played it at some point. Yeah. So, any more questions? Please send them in through the online player theme, Majiki Watsorator. That's scientific for you. Or you can email us at studio at camfm.co.uk. Or you can text cam plus your message to 80. 80- 89 uh, 80809 and text cost 10p. I think I forgot to save a cam bit on the beginning last time. You correct me for the price. But, um, right, so yes, we're going to have to end on the weak and the strong force, which what? is really hard because I asked on Twitter, does anyone know any movies that involve the weak or the strong force? And I got the reply back every single rom com. I don't, I don't even understand that. Does is, anyone understand? Please. Is, is this some kind of you know r- romance as poorly understood obscure force thing? I don't. I just don't get it. Uh, I suppose you could, um, if you're going for films, there's Sunshine, which uh, tenuously. Oh, related. not. I thought Little Miss Sunshine. I was so confused for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> Little Miss Sunshine is totally different. An excellent film, but not one that has heavy features of physics. No, no the, the, the um, I, be- I believe the um, uh, and more than believe. I know that the um, central premise is complete rubbish. Um, but we're the- talking about Sunshine, not Little Miss now. But uh, but yeah, I'm just like going. Well, that's related to Sunshine. Sunshine is produced using. Uh, Using nu- nuclear fusion. So, yeah, as we're saying, it involves, it involves the uh, nuclear forces, obviously. The strong force holds everything together. The weak, fo- the weak interaction. Um, which I, I see. I don't get this because most things I think are forces, like things that hold things together. So, like holding the nucleus together, holding my feet on the ground. That's easy on ten. Holding my magnet on my fridge. I get that. The weak force causes things to be radioactive. Could you explain that to me because I don't quite get how that's a force. Uh, the problem is you need to uh, think about it in terms of the force particles. For every force, there's a corresponding particle. And for electromagnetism, that's a, f- a photon. And for the strong force, it's the gluon. Because it sticks things together and some physicists have an awful sense of humour. So it really is called that because it looks sounds like glue. Yes. And um, for the for the gravi- force of gravity, there's supposedly gravitons, although no one's ever... Actually, found evidence for one. Hmm. Um, all the others, all the others, you only really see the evidence for them in um, quanti- complicated particle physics equations um, and uh, diagrams. But it turns out that if you don't include them uh, as, as, as these particles, which you can't actually, you never like actually just like grab a particle, um, a, a gluon, because every time you try and do that, you end up with lots of other stuff being created as you try and pull it apart. Because any, anything you could manipulate it with, it would join together or something? Sort of. But, but, but basically, in these diagrams, you have to include, like, gluons interacting with themselves, otherwise you get the wrong answer out. Ah, so so the, their existence is proven by the fact that things don't work if they're not there? Not that it's a giant fudge, honestly. Sorry. <laughs> no, you know, you look at these diagrams. This is actually um, one of the things that um, Feynman got his Nobel for the uh, Feynman diagram. Oh, these 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 really neat pictures, which um, he points out at some point can can suggest that you only have one electron in the whole uh, universe across all time, going forward and backwards. I don't think it's one electron in the whole universe. Uh, that, that, he, I think he had a theory that that was a logically consistent oh, what? viewpoint. Oh, it's, it's going to the end of the universe and it comes back in and goes forward. It, oh. Going forward and backwards in time as well. Yeah, so it's a proton. It's a, sorry, it's an electron going one way, but it's an uh, positron the other for when it goes back. Again. Yeah, that's, yeah. I sounds nuts, but yeah, physicists are. But, yeah, but but, but these these grounds, you can make the pretty ones where all of these things interact. And for the weak force, um, you've actually got three particles 
for it. Huh. The, um, the neutral, I believe it was said, boson, and the W plus and minus ones, and you need these to make uh, to make nuclear reactions. Also, work. they are specific bosons; they're not just any boson. No, 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 no the. The, the force particles are bosons. Yeah, but the, they. So it is. Qu- any element with an even spin is a boson, isn't it? Um, yes. Yes. Yeah. So it is specific ones, because that's how you get. Like, it, helium can go over the side of containers and do weird superfluid stuff. Yeah, helium can be a fermion instead, yeah. Yeah, it, it just confuses us. The only thing I can think about strong forces is Twister. I haven't. Oh, is that is that a film involving a a hurricane or a, a tornado? Or I think it's tornado. Unless, 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 it, unless it exclusively involves the party game Twister, um, that yeah. would be awesome. I'm not sure that's quite the same kind of film. Typically, okay, so, so just go about bosons are things with integer um, spin. Yeah, not not even spin. Yes, slightly different. Mm. Oh, we really should have had the song "Spin It Right Round Baby" right now. <laughs> So, um, so in uh, everyone's favourite, everyone's favourite other co- comic and film, uh, Watchmen, Doctor Manhattan is this kind of blue glowing thing. I think he, he glows blue because of Cherenkov radiation or something. Yes, that would make sense. Cherenkov radiation being the colour for particles give out when they shoot out of nuclear reactors faster than the speed of light in the medium they're in. So, because nuclear reactors are often in water, when the neutron flies out of a nuclear reactor faster than the speed of light in water, it glows blue. Huh. But you couldn't do that in a vacuum because you can't go fast enough to be like in a vacuum. Unfortunately, he glows blue even on Mars where there's no, no atmosphere. But, well, you know. he's also got a, a rather well CG-made anatomy. But yeah. But, um, so, he seems to be able to sort of mani- manipulate um, like atoms at, some, at the sort of basic level, tearing them apart, making rare elements. Uh, it's implied that he's sort of solved energy crises by just creating the rare elements needed for, you know, sustainable and clean power. So, presumably, this would involve him, you know, messing around with uh, some of these, um, some of these gluons? Well, if he's messing around, that would explain how he can make people explode. Huh. So, a hell of a lot more energy would come out if you started ripping apart atoms. Yeah, because because I guess this this is you know how nuclear reactors work, right? Well, though it, there's like a curve, and I can't remember the maximum is, but some things like to be stuck together, like hydrogen and helium, and some things like to fall apart, like uranium. Do you, where's the maximum? Iron. Iron. Yes. Iron fifty six specifically only. Fifty six being the number of neutrons in the nucleus. Photons uh, plus neutrons. Photons plus neutrons. Thank you. I'm, God, I am tired. I've been na- doing nappies all day, so I'm just thinking about how to wipe. Yeah, and and now, now I'm going to turn out the fifty six is actually the number of protons in iron, and I, I managed to get the periodic table wrong, but I can't. Pe- yeah. Pedants of the world, Come, speak up, speak up. I know hydrogen's one. Helium's what? two. Lithium's three. See now, helium to me is four because I include neutrons. Uh, are there the two numbers on the periodic table? It's been, yeah, a, yeah, it's, yeah. It's been a very long time. See, as a chemist, I have I know I just care about electrons, except for we sometimes play around with deuterium, which is a sort of heavier version of hydrogen with an extra neutron just going chummy in there, which is important because someone mentioned earlier that for the star to be able to work, you need the weak force, and the weak force allows you to convert protons into neutrons, which if you can't do, you can't make neutrons in the sun, and you need those neutrons to make deuterium and then deuterium allows you to make the nuclear reaction that goes on to make helium am i right yep brilliant because i just read that yesterday well you've you've got a better memory than i have yeah well um you're a computer programmer i I remember different things yeah they're normally a little more abstract well not more abstract but less i was gonna say less less 
they don't exist quite in the same way. Your, your things do actually get used day to day. You know, people do own mobile phones. How many people conduct nuclear fusion experiments in the center of a star every day? Yeah, I mean, like, who who uses gravity every day? I mean, come on. Like, yeah, we, we, do, we, don't, we don't do experiments every day, but it's the experiments are happening every day in the this, sun. But this is an interesting point because you. Uh, we've got five minutes left, so we can just go and banter for a bit. You make a telephone, and no one actually cares how the software on the telephone works. The same way that we may be discussing about gravity here, but other than an interest, which is the same reason why people get interested in how the phone works, there is no reason to understand gravity for the day-to-day person, other than the fact that you learn that falling over hurts. Right, and there's, there's, there's kind of a side point in here about um, whether, whether it matters if you know how something works as long as it does does work. Uh, someone was, was mentioning earlier a, an argument about um, how to correctly pack a dishwasher, and one of them had, had observed that if you put a plate in a particular place, it didn't get cleaned properly, and the other one refused to accept this um, this as a fact because it couldn't be explained. Um, and so there, there are some walks of life in which you know, um, evidence without explanation is acceptable, and there are other fields where evidence without explanation is just tantalizing and warrants further research. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'll sit into a scientific experiment on that person's dishwasher. No, but, you know, you, you, could do, you could do a few trials and conclude something and then get on, then get on with it rather than, oh, well, then buy a new dishwasher. Could buy a new dishwasher. It's expensive because you probably find all of them have a spot that doesn't work too well. Hmm. This is, this is something which is never really kind of co- covered in. Um, there's a lot, you know, lots of I guess you know, no, no film covers the pedestrian aspects of life. But you know, if if one is a superhero, or you know, if if one is you know, um, a character from Heroes or something, and you have these all these crazy powers, um, and I guess you know, a lot of people might just use them to you know, to pay less for their food or. Um, I guess quit their jobs or whatever. Well, that Spider-Man originally uh, one that was going to use his newfound powers to make money. Oh, really? Oh, of course, because he was because he because he was trying to. Uh, wrestling. Oh, there must be there must be more efficient ways to make money if one can spin webs than wrestling. Um, well, you could sell your spider silk for lots of money. Uh-huh. Spider silk's worth a lot because it's stronger than steel or whatever words we use at the moment. But yes, it makes bulletproof material. It's just a real pain to get out of spiders' bottoms because they actually have to milk spiders. Just a fiddly process. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and um, the spiders aren't very big. Oh, you, you mentioned heroes. Then there was a, there was a weak force in, being used in heroes because oh, really? one one of the uh, characters um, could um, cause a nuclear explosion. Was that his his entire or his or her? Who, who, I can't remember his, who it was. Ted Sprague. Ted Sprague. Was that his entire power that he could he could be a nuclear weapon? I don't think he personally was. I've never seen him series, but that would have been quite bizarre if he just exploded. No, but he he, he could create some sort of weird, like heaty radiation stuff, and then um, it was implied that he could create a nuclear explosion as well. And and then mm. uh, yeah. Well, there you go. And, and I, I won't um, I won't spoil exactly what happened for those of you who haven't seen the series. Is it that? That's series one, I presume. Yeah, yeah. it's a major plot point. Yeah, yeah no, I'm fair. That that's outside our disclaimer area. Apart from when Will tells me off for talking about 1945 movies. Well, that, that's the only season of Heroes I've I've seen, and I can't even remember it. So if you spoil a season two, I'll be very upset. Actually, I won't be upset. Don't, I'm, don't, I'm never going to watch it. Don't, don't watch it. I've been told it just goes downhill. Yeah, it's kind of sad. That was a gravity joke. <laughs> it wasn't. But I oh, thought about it afterwards, oh. retconning my jokes. Um, that so, joke was a little weak. Oh, I see what you did there. See right, so there. Will, save us. What are we going to talk about next week? Um, next week, if um, if, the, if the stars align, we can talk about, uh, well, we will talk about, um, 
the uh, in, environmental warnings and you know th- things about you know how perhaps we're destroying the world, perhaps we're not in various different forms of film and books and so on. And in, to, to this end, we'll be joined, we hope, by Rachel Kennelly. That's interesting because you didn't have a dishwasher as environmentally friendly other than doing the washing up yourself. I I've, I've heard that. I think I think it's probably true only if you fill, if you fill it. To, yeah, to you have brim. to fill it, but that's not hard. You just don't turn it on as often. Yeah, but that's that, that's like telling people that that they can't um they can't have their bins collected more often than every two weeks. People get really antsy about that. Yeah, but well, if you make so, does dishwasher stuff get maggots in it? I've never had maggots in my dishwasher. I get maggots in my bin. Listeners, have you ever had maggots in a, in a dishwasher? Uh, that happy very fast email that one in. It only, only has to be three letters. <laughs> yes, no, yes. Or, or t- two. Get a rough yeah. Maggot, oh, God, that'd be awful. No. So, r- remember kids, d- d- don't turn a dishwasher on with three things in it, but turn it on when it's about to rot. The other awesome. one, which is really weird, is organic food. It sometimes it's good for the environment, sometimes it's bad. Yeah. Well, then totally the, random. And the, 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 there's, a, there's a sort of question in there about, you know, how to do proper carbon labelling and... Um, whether different diets are more or less um, uh, ecologically and economically viable um, at various different times of year. So hopefully we can discover all this and more. Anyway, that's the end of the show, so catch us next week. We've just had an email in. Can I get it in quickly? We've only got a few seconds left. No mags in the dishwasher. There you go. Also, you can catch me at the Arts Picture House tomorrow because I'm doing the side screen event on Hitchhiker's Guide at 6.30. See you next week.